0: Hello, gatherers! Tyler here letting you know we have another event coming up in October. The Gamer Culture Guides and myself will be doing another Extra Life streaming marathon. That's 24 hours of intense video games. Extra Life is an organization that uses game streaming to raise money for local children's hospitals. You watch, you donate, and you help kids. What's better than that? Since we're based in Orange County, all proceeds go to Chalk. The event will be on October 17th from 6 a.m. to 6 a.m. And the theme will be... HORROR! (laughs) Come watch us get scared, and help save lives. Now, on with the show. Welcome to the Indie Comics section. Join us as we take you through the pages of some of the best stories and art that is available in the comic book industry. From trivia, to book discussions, to interviews, to insider looks, this is Indie Comics with Jeff. Welcome once again to another wacky and zany episode of Indie Comics. I'm your host Tyler, a crusader for creator-owned work in comics. There are fine gems to be found at your local comic book shop, or in this case, online. And let's go searching for them. And who's with me today? Tyler Page. All right, Tyler. And um, we know you, or I know you, from uh, Raids on Ritalin. It was a Kickstarter that you started from a web comic series that was on your website. And one thing, it kind of, it kind of drew me because. I'm severely ADHD as everybody has heard multiple times on our podcast. Um but uh thank you for being here and you're here via Skype which is awesome. Um, for having- oh of course. Um so how did you get into web comics?
1: Um mostly just out of necessity. Um when I started, you know, when I got out of college and started doing um comics and kind of trying to break in, um I was really heavily focused on print stuff and that was you know, right around, um, I graduated college in 99. So it was like right around 2000. So web comics were kind of starting to be a thing. Um, but as someone who grew up reading print comics, that's kind of where my focus was. Um, and just from, you know, going to conventions and meeting more and more people who were doing comics online, um, it just kind of, you know, made sense to start, putting online whatever I was working on. And so, um, you know, like specifically in the case of Raisin on Riddle, because it was a much larger project and it wouldn't be available in print for, you know, multiple years. Um, and I wanted a sense of accomplishment um, and progress on it. I put, you know, each chapter up as I as I finished it.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. That's great. Um, so when you kind of put your webcomics out there, how do you find an audience? Like what do you do to kind of get people's attention and kind of notice
1: Um, to be honest, not much. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I'm not great at that side of things. And it's not one of those things that I very naturally work at. But, um, you know, I, I jumped in, um, in, in print comics right away and kind of, um, made a little bit of a splash, started going to shows, got to know a lot of people. So when I, um, started, I think the first thing that I really started putting online was the series called nothing better about a couple of college roommates it was just kind of through my, you know, natural all the the links of people that I'd already met um, and kind of networked with at, at conventions and who were already interested in the books that I'd already put out. And it was okay. Hey, look, you know, Tyler's putting stuff online. Let's kind of pay attention to it. And I kind of kind of worked that way, I guess.
0: So, who are your influences, especially since web comics are very different from like what you would read from DC or Marvel right. or Image? So, who are your influences when you were writing these?
1: Well, I mean. The Ritalin project was kind of a really specific thing, um, so maybe I'll I'll speak to that. That was a project that I had kind of like tumbling around in my head for a while after I had found these old medical records of mine, and um, I ran across the work of Daryl Cunningham, who did a book called Psychiatric Tales. Um, he was, a, I think, a nurse in a psychiatric unit in in England and had started work uh, writing about his experiences there, and that kind of... It showed me, like, oh, hey, somebody's doing something sort of along these lines, and he's doing it in an interesting fashion. Um, And then, obviously, kind of on the didactic side of things, the work of Scott McCloud, obviously, in terms of explaining things through the form of comics. And I think that was, um, you know, from, like, a formal perspective, I had to think about the work from from that perspective a lot, because... Right when I got into it, there was a lot of organization involved, and I knew, like, for instance, the reason that the comic is in a nine-panel grid is because I knew that would give me the most flexibility in terms of editing and organizing um, down the road when I had to, you know, move things around and take things out and so on and so forth. So um, those are two big ones, but, I mean, outside of that, you know, growing up, I read, you know, Calvin Hobbes and Garfield, and I was a big fan of, like, the Jim Aparo Batman stuff and, you know— went through my Frank Miller phase in college and everything. So
0: that's awesome. So like, you, you know, you go back and kind of look at your, um, your medical records. And I actually did that recently when I moved out here, I moved out here from Texas. And then I was like, oh, I need to I need to be, be back on medicine. So I finally got everything in physical format. And I'm like, I really want to read this. So I read through it. It was insane. <laughs> uh, but, um, you know, so when you have all these different events and all these different things you want to talk about like kind of like what you're saying, you gave yourself a nine panel form. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, is it hard for you to kind of put everything into that nine panels that you want? You said it's easy to edit, but it's, uh, do you lose a lot of stuff that you didn't want to lose?
1: Um, I think maybe the easiest way to answer that is the original draft of the book was um, over 700 pages, like in, in rough form. Um, and so I it was it was easy once I had everything in in a rough format to go back and be like okay well, you know clearly these three panels are just me making like stupid jokes in order to like entertain myself <laughs> so it's not not critical to the to the book you know these two panels could be one I don't need this whole section because I maybe I explain it better in another part and I think a, a lot of that was just due to working on a, a um, you know long form project that kind of that I worked on for several years and so there were times where I was like oh wait like. I already, like, I covered this bit, like, you know, 100 pages ago. Um, <laughs> so that was one of the biggest challenges working on something that large. And, and to be honest, it was really the organization of the information that I think was the hardest um, part of the project. And I think once I, you know, I kind of, like, dove in and started working on it with this mental map. And once I got up to, you know, around 100 pages, I started to realize, okay, like, I need a better handle on where I'm going with this, and I just like I stopped drawing and writing for like three weeks, and I just sat down with my notes and was like, all right, I need to break this out into you know like clear, concise
0: sections, yeah,
1: and once I kind of had that all figured out um and had a better roadmap it was it was so much easier uh, going forward
0: that's awesome were were there any like stories or um instances that you just kind of didn't want to talk about on book or maybe like for me, I have done so many things that I don't want people to know about because I just I, one thing I didn't grasp the concept, or I wasn't concentrating, you know, and knowing mm-hmm. my actions and stuff like that. So, how open is this book about, you know, about all this? Um,
1: everything. I mean, it's oh, okay. I put in um all of the medical records that I had. Discussed all of the, at least as much as I could remember of kind of the stupid mistakes I've made in life, um, for the reason that it, you know, provides that reflection of like these are the things that people like us have difficulty with. These are the repercussions of that. So as far as the personal stuff, I tried to leave in as, as much as I possibly could. Any of the stuff that I, that I kind of cut out or at least cut down on was the more, um, you know, explanatory, um, kind, of, kind of formal stuff.
0: Yeah. Okay. That's, a, that's, a, that's really interesting. Because um, so did it take you a couple of years to kind of just, you know, be okay with some of the stuff that, you know, or just, you know, handling and stuff like that? Because a lot of times when I, when I first got diagnosed, my parents didn't want to tell anybody. They would just tell the mm-hmm. teachers, and that was it. And they were afraid of anybody else knowing. And they didn't even tell me until a couple of years later. you know. Right.
1: Um, yeah, it's one of the things I address a little in the, in the book is, you know, when I was diagnosed, it was 1984, 1985. So it wasn't really kind of like even in the public sphere then. It was just sort of becoming, sort of starting to become a thing. Um, and so, yeah, I didn't even have a sense until I was much older what, specifically that was like why I took a pill every morning. It was just, you know, um my mom at some point said, you know, you just you need to take this medicine to help you, you know, sit still and focus at school. And that was kind of all they said. Or they talked about, you know, uh it helping me, you know, calm down and this and that. But they never really gave it a label um until I was much older. And my doctor was kind of the same way. And in some circumstances uh, or, or I mean, from some perspectives, I think that that was actually kind of a favor that they did me because then I wasn't worried about um, the label and kind of everything that goes along with it. Because I know some
0: some kids that is an issue. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Um. So like you know, are you creating this kind of to create awareness just for having people with ADD or ADHD or just something for the for the people to relate to, or what? What was kind of the most the big uh, one? kind of all
1: those things. I mean, as I've gotten older,
0: you know, you, you get older, you get more mature, your
1: interests change a little bit. I find I, I read a lot of nonfiction or what people call narrative nonfiction, where it's like, you know, the story behind the story kind of thing. Yeah. Um, or why why things are the way they are, how, you know, the, why they become the way that they are. And I find that really fascinating. Um, and so, um, you know, at first it was to be honest, it was more that I'd I'd found those medical records, and I when I found them, I just thought there's like there's something here, like this is a calling to be done something with. I kind of just you know sat in the back of my mind for a while until I started um, getting a better grasp on what I could do with it, and like I said, seeing that book um, by Gerald Cunningham and some other things, um, you know, some kind of similar work, realizing that oh, there there are some people doing some things like this there's more people talking about stuff like this in general. Um, and you know, from a, just a professional standpoint, thinking like, Oh, this is something that I could commit to and people might find interesting. Um, and would read. Um, but then, yeah, as I did more and more research, it's, it's really one of those classic kind of like down the rabbit hole things where you'd, you'd learn one thing and be like, oh, okay, well now I got to go look, look this thing up and read, and read about that and read about that and read about that. Um, and see how it all kind of ties together. Um, and the further I got into it realizing, you know, like most things it's it, covering the topic of ADD or ADHD isn't deserving of a 30 second soundbite on the news or yeah. a 2 article in a magazine um and while i read a lot of i read lots of books to cover that all that information it seemed to me that there was never like one book that really kind of like put all that stuff in one place um and then in a way that might be appealing like oh this is a comic maybe i'll read this versus this giant book of like very (laughs) dense scientific text
0: this one says pal on it i like that (laughs) Right, right So, for one thing about me is that so many people have told me in my life that they don't believe that ADHD is not real, and that it's just a, um, it's just immaturity, or I had too much sugar as a kid, which mm-hmm. I think is the most insulting thing ever. Um, you know, how, how do you have you kind of talked to people and just kind of seen their, you know, outlook on things and try to capture that in, in the book? See, the thing with that, like on the show, is we don't read anything uh, we try not to read anything before we do the interview before uh before the second episode because everything's fresh i like to hear from sure. the creators so i fresh. love hearing
1: <laughs> um i mean to be honest my experience so far has been more about just people people responding to me saying thank you for doing this or like yeah. this like this was me your like your medical records could have been mine this is my story um but on the flip side of that, I you know when I did first start working on it, I was kind of hesitant to like, you know, give a label to it or or vocalize like, hey, I'm doing this thing about ADD, ADHD because I have it, blah blah blah, whatever. Yeah. You know, full fear of, like, am I going to get some pushback? Are people going to be like, you know, whatever? But you know, I'm almost forty. I don't really like, you don't care what people. Think <laughs> And it's more, like I said, as I did more research, the more I realized, yeah, I came across lots of, you know, there is a very large contingent of people who, um, you know, it's just because they, they're not well-informed or they misunderstand why yeah. it does, doesn't exist. And to a large degree, it's also just an issue of semantics of whether or not, you know, because it's not some discrete disease entity like, you know, cancer or an infection or whatever. Yeah. Um, there's so many different ways you can define what it, quote, is or is not. Um, and I was interested in, in exploring that as well, because there's obviously um, times and circumstances in my life where I don't feel like I, quote, have anything or need that label. Um, and then other instances where you struggle and you're like, OK, I see where I'm different than, yeah. uh, quote, normal people, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah. Man, who wants to be normal? It's boring. Um, yeah, right. So, OK, putting it on Kickstarter – Um, obviously I got all the emails and all the updates and stuff like that from going, you know, going from the printer and stuff like that. Can you kind of describe the process of actually making something digital into physical?
1: It wasn't very hard. Um, only because (laughs) that was the plan from the beginning. Um, and my, I mean, I've, I've published six or seven or eight other books, had them printed. Um, my day job is in print production support. So it's a very like familiar, um, world for me to work in so it was you know really a matter of just as I was creating the art thinking about okay you know I need to have enough margins um the resolution has to be you know the right size um when I scan the art in and make it um and I was actually just kind of like as I would finish each chapter throw throw that art into the InDesign document and it just kind of grew and grew and grew until the book was done.
0: Yeah, so one thing I want to ask before I keep going and Sure. Getting away from this. Are you still medicated? And are we gonna see like a sequel that's called uh, paying off college debts with Concerta? Uh, <laughs> um,
1: sure. No, I am not on any medication right now. And I haven't been for, I think, six years. Um, and I go over all of that in the book, I um, kind of the, the way the book is structured is me Kind of relearning about all of this as an adult because I was one of those kids who was told, you know, oh, you'll grow out of it, whatever, um, and then kind of finding out that I, I, I did in some ways, but not in other ways. Yeah. Um, and so there was a period of, oh, I think it was maybe like three or four years where I tried a bunch of different medications, went on and off some, and you know, adjusted doses and this and that, and. Um, had some success um, and some failures or just things that weren't quite right for me. And so it ended up being more about me figuring out, um, you know, ways to manage my own life. Exercise was a big one, just making sure that I kind of work out multiple times a week. I need to do Um, that. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think everybody's kind of in that position. That's why things like medication is, you know, it's so much easier. Yeah. Um, Or sticking to a regular schedule i mean thankfully i have a a flexible enough um work environment that i'm able to kind of do what i need to when i need to do it um and i think that's maybe one of the biggest things especially for people as they get get older i I talk about this concept in the book that um, it's this idea of like having your orbit or being constrained to like someone else's orbit yeah Um, you as an adult as a person, you get to kind of pick your own, like, I'm going to do this today. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to save that for later. There wasn't anything that was kind of a, a perfect fit. So I've been able to get by without it.
0: Okay. In the book, yeah. do you go through the different medicines at all or?
1: yeah uh i mean that's part of even what the the medical records all call out like what the doc i mean it they're literally the medical records like scan okay cool (laughs) Scan so you can read like what my doctor or therapist or whoever wrote like you know when a medication is prescribed the dosage and kind of like what you know like follow-up visits of like what my reactions were um and our discussions surrounding that
0: i heard about it because somebody else was telling me about the Kickstarter. And then I saw the video and I was like, okay, I don't want to know anymore. I just got, I, I'm picking this book and I emailed you and I'm so happy I did. So, and I'm so, I cannot wait. I think it comes, I think I'm getting it in two days in the mail. But then I'll be, but then this comes out next week. So then last week I got this package. <laughs> um, so anyway, um, what comics do you enjoy reading? You're like, do you read indie comics or do you still read web comics and strips?
1: Sure. I, I read a little bit of everything. I mean, I'm one of those guilty people that doesn't really go into a comic book store anymore just cuz I don't have time for it. Yeah. And since I work at a college that has a comics program, we have a lot of comics in our library. Um so that is awesome. I kind of I've kind of, you know, called through that collection and read a lot of interesting stuff there. Um and generally, you know, anytime that I hear of something, you know, like, you know, if somebody's like you know, oh, you know, the Batman books have been really great lately. Maybe I'll wait for one of the trades to come out and read it. I do follow a couple of web comics, um, like Questionable Content, Dumbing of Age, and just kind of you know, anytime somebody points me towards something. But I also I just I read a lot of not comic stuff as well. Just like I've been on a big um, like fiction, science
0: fiction kick lately. Nice. Uh, anything? So yeah. in part- anything in particular?
1: uh i just discovered the work of an author named joel or joe heldeman he wrote um this book called the forever war that's kind of well oh, okay yeah and i mean he that came out in like the 70s but he's been writing since then so i've been kind of like picking through his his library and i just read this um book called the accidental time machine okay that he wrote that's like it's really short it's really it's, it's it was great yeah
0: that's yeah. awesome um cool I, I lost where i was oh do you have any plans because obviously you have you know a comfortable job which is great and the comic industry mm-hmm. is kind of uh you know right a headache to get into but do you have any uh plans to do to go straight into if it's physical comics or you know even work in a newspaper uh, I, I do like or like um
1: yeah not that so much my one goal after i finished the riddle and book was to um are you familiar with the website the nib Dot com. I am not. You might want to look it up. It's kind of like an online editorial comic collection. Um, Matt Boers is the one that started it. Um, and it's all like political slash nonfiction stuff. Oh, okay. So my it, it's been going on for a little while now, and my one goal was to kind of um, break into that. I got something up there last week or a couple of weeks ago, family stuff. Um, so kind of just trying to like branch out and figure out where – since my stuff leans more towards the like personal narrative where I can, like what little pockets of media I can kind of fit that into.
0: And when you have writer's block, how do you get over it? And also do you, do you consider writer's block and then also break of concentration, two different things?
1: Yeah, I'll address the, the second point. I think that they are kind of two different things. Um, I feel like writer's block is more of like an overall like creative blockage, whereas the the, the break of concentration is, you know, yeah, you're, you're having a train of thought, and then it, you know, you're distracted. It wanders off, whatever, <laughs> and you need to, you know, remind yourself what you were, what you were thinking, or whatever. The writer's block. I, I, I don't feel like I, I didn't deal with that much with the, with the Ritalin book because I kind of had this, you know, all, I just had all this material. Yeah. Um, you're you're still prepared been, for it, <laughs> right? Slowly working on. Um, my other comic Nothing better, which has kind of been both online and in print and um, since that's fictional, when I've run into issues there, I find the thing that tends to work the best is conversations with the characters where I'll just like assume the identity of two characters and something comes out of that where I'm like, okay, I can grab that like kernel of an idea and 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 drive it this way to see where it goes. And my wife is a really good storyteller. She's a children's book um, illustrator and author and she's She's really good with story and like connections and so forth. So she's always
0: also a good uh, resource to to bounce ideas off of. That's good that you kind of get that. Yeah. Somebody Mm -hmm. else to be there and just kind of be in tune with you. Um, And what are you working on currently besides uh, besides the whole Kickstarter? um...
1: Um, I jumped back into working on nothing better, which I kind of like I put out a couple of print collections in the early 2000s, like in 2010. I know. did those come out like I think it was like oh seven and then 2010 and then I'd kind of been working on it slowly online I'd been you know taking on other work for hire freelance stuff on the side so I always kind of kept getting pushed to the side but I have all these like you know scripts and outlines just in a drawer waiting and and once I finished uh the Ritalin book I needed something else to kind of like cleanse my palate I guess so that kind of (laughs) just jumped back into finishing up one of one of those chapters and and so I think I'm going to kind of pick at that and then also think of ideas for other um you know kind of non-fiction stuff um for the nib because i liked um that was a good experience working with them i'd like to get some more stuff up on there so i'll, yeah. de- I'll
0: definitely check it out that's that sounds awesome so i have it i have it typed down i can't find a pen <laughs> um cool and so how can somebody get a copy of Rays on ritalin since they missed out on the kickstarter
1: Right, so I actually – I wasn't even thinking about the fact that we were doing this interview today, but I updated the store on my website um, today so that you can actually just order it directly from me right now. Um, The website is stylishvittles.com or just tylerpage.tumblr.com, and you can find a link on there in the store. Awesome.
0: Sweet. Well, uh, thanks for being here, man. I appreciate it. Um, thanks for tuning yeah. in. You, you, yeah, of course. You can, uh, you can check out other shows and offerings on iTunes and visit our site, thegrankygathering.com. Go ahead, subscribe, rate, and review us. Contact us on our site. And you can follow us on Facebook, tw- Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, all the stuff. To find rates on Ritalin, go to his site at uh, Tylerpage.tumblr.com. What was the other one?
1: Uh, stylishvilles.com.
0: That's right. And we highly support local businesses and also local people like Tyler. Uh, music has been provided by bensound.com, and the show has been brought to you by the Granky Gathering Network. Join the gathering. Have a wonderful weekend. GGG! All right. Thank you so much, Tyler. Thank right. you, Tyler. You have a great rest of your day.
1: You, Jason. Thanks and, very much. Yep, of course.
0: Bye. Can't wait to read. <laughs>